Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 The Lord is good. Alright, please can you greet somebody on your left and your right? Tell them God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. It is well with you in the name of Jesus. Understand it will come to you today in Jesus' name. Alright. Alright, let's open our Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 23. Psalms 23, which we all know. I will read it together. Are we ready? Everybody, if you are there, say amen. amen. Even if you are not there, I know you know it by heart. All I want to let's go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. It's a beautiful one. Everybody knows it by heart. Most people do. Even if you didn't open your Bible today, I'm sure you will not have had any problem um, reciting that psalm. All right. Now, why did I read this? We are talking about uh, provisions in Christ Jesus. That's what I want to go into talking about today. I want to talk about that. Now, we've been looking at um, the fact that our faith is built on a continual basis. Faith is built on a continual basis. It's not a time that we need faith that we'll go and look for it. That's not the way it works. If our faith is going to be powerful, it's going to be because we are building it continually. We began this by looking at what Jesus said when he cursed that tree and the tree died. And the disciples asked him what happened. He said, have faith in God constantly. We read that from Amplified Bible. That the faith we have in God must be constant. It is not something you look for when you want to use it. It must be a constant part of your life. And we, okay, of course, in my own meditation, I said, how do we do that? I broke life into different aspects in which we must deliberately build on the word of God. And that is faith in our hearts. One, we said we build the interpretation of our lives by the word of God. And listen to this. It's not deception. We're not deceiving ourselves. It's not as if, okay, this is just, no, it is because the maker of all things gave us his word. And with his word, we interpret what is going on in our lives. Please bear that in mind. So the, the Bible says, without faith, we, it says, with faith, we understand. By faith, we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God. You know, I was just thinking, about, well, I was meditating about it. And I went and read again the book of Daniel. And I realized that Daniel, God really spoke to him. Daniel told the whole well, he saw and wrote for the Jews to read, who bothered to read, what was going to happen to them for 100 years, not just to them, but on the earth. He described everything, even described the man who was going to seriously 
persecute them. In fact, I read one portion that when this young boy, well, I just say young boy to emphasize he was very young, um, Alexander the Great, when he was charging and attacking, he spared Jerusalem because they gave him the prophecies of Daniel. When he read it, that Daniel had described that he was coming, he was so impressed he did not destroy Jerusalem. Because Daniel had described him, described things about him. Are you getting my point? It impressed him so much. Are you getting me? That is, see, Daniel saw into the future. And why was he able to see into the future? Because what we see do not come out of things that are visible. That's what I'm going to emphasize. He told them, listen, what will come after, of course, he told Nebuchadnezzar, he had the head of gold. After him, he described how the meat and the patients will come. After him, he told him that the Greeks will come. After him, the Romans will come. He didn't give those words, but he described what the kingdoms will be like. Later on, he described how the Greek kingdom will be broken into pieces, how one will be the king of the south, one will be the king of the north. He described everything. Why? Because the present, that is, things that you see physically, come out of things that are happening in the realm of the spirit. And that's how it is with your life as a Christian also. So if anything happens, interpret your life according to the word of God. You are not deceiving yourself. It's just that you have understanding. Without faith, you have no understanding. If you see what's going on in the world today, let nobody deceive you. When America will become great, I downloaded a book a few days ago. I've not yet read it. Describing Great Britain and United States in prophecy. When I saw it, I said, no, I need to read this book. Immediately I collected it. I have to read the book. Okay? Because the greatness right now is determined by prophecy. It's determined. God determined it. It's not a human thing. So when you are interpreting your life from the word of God, you are not trying to feel good. You are actually telling the truth. You deliberately... You deliberately look for what is spoken about you. How does God's word interpret what is going on around you? That is the exercise of faith. Accepting that is the exercise of faith. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. So we've talked about it. I'm not going to write it again, all right? So, interpreting our lives by the word of God, okay? I just want to emphasize the fact that we're not just, we're not just trying to feel good. This is the truth about life. Then we say, what's the next thing? Our, we have four things. One, the, Precept, thank you. Have we talked about the precept in any details? No, we haven't. No, we haven't. Okay, yes. So we'll come back to that, to that later. So the precept by which we walk, we'll talk about it. Then the things we are supposed to have, our expectations in life. After that, we'll talk about the precepts. The expectations we have about life. And I broke that into two parts. Okay, let me just add the fourth one before I review that. And of course, the words that we speak. So the words that we speak, that is the fourth area. So we'll be looking at the things we are supposed to have. And I explained to us, we're not going to go about that in details, just a brief review, that the Lord has prepared our lives. He has written what our lives are supposed to be like before we were born. And it is with wisdom we will go into the scriptures. Remember the other time we explained that if you take the scriptures and you look inside the scriptures, it becomes your pathway to looking into the book or the books of God concerning your life. There is nobody born by accident. There is nobody born that there was no plan for his or her life. Nobody. The moment you were conceived, it was a sign that God approved something for that individual. If you like, go and terminate the pregnancy. What you have done is to abort a destiny. I hope you are getting my point here. Before that conception was approved, God already wrote the book. This is what this person will fulfill. If the person does not fulfill it, then somebody has to be held responsible. It's very important to understand that. Because sometimes God writes and we don't allow him to fulfill. God writes, we refuse to walk in it, and the plan of God is not fulfilled. 
That, those are the things I'm trying to explain. So, we've explained that. So, when we are reading the Bible, therefore, it's not just a book of letters, of instructions on how to behave and how not to behave. Inside it, certain things have been written about you. Inside it, certain things have been written about everybody. I'm reading it through your scriptures. You can see the details of God's book for your life. And bear it in mind anytime you have to make a decision. The decision I'm, I'm making now, is it furthering the purpose of God for my life? Or it is not. You may not, listen, let me say this. You may not know the direct answer, but that you ask the question alone. Grace is released into your life to move in the right direction. Grace is released. Listen, let me explain what I'm going to say. One of my friends, okay, he said this to me, to us many years ago. We were just discussing. I've used the illustration many times. When he was in school, he was born in the UK. He and his siblings. Because he was born abroad and all of that, okay, and his elder ones, a number of them were in the UK. And he was a student in university. And so they started arranging. This was many years ago, telling a story of about uh, close to a little over 20 years. So they came to him and said, all right, let's arrange your, your, to collect your passport, arrange everything, and you come move over to the UK. And he said, fine. So he was happy about it. So they were processing it. And then he told one of his friends in school, he said, look at my plan. I'm about to leave and all of that. I was going to be leaving you guys in school. I'm going abroad. Uh-huh. Why? Okay, you know I was born in the UK, so I'm going to get my British, uh, my British uh, passport, and then I will relocate and go and start life over there. And that brother said, oh, that's very good. Now listen to this. He said, just, he said, as long as it is what God wants for your life, as long as that is the will of God for you. He said they were walking the, on the road. He said the moment the fellow uttered the statement, he knew it was not. He didn't go home to pray. He didn't kneel down. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've begun to receive revelation. No. Right there on the spot, the fellow said, Ah, that is beautiful. As long as that is God's plan for you. And he said, as soon as the fellow uttered it, he knew it was not. That was over 25 years ago. Okay, about 25 years ago. And he lives in Nigeria till today. Now, see, let me tell you something about the will of God. It is not hard to know if you really want to do it. Let me say it again. If you really want to do the will of God, it's not hard to know. Many times people say it's hard. I'm not saying all the times. I just say many times. It is because deep inside their hearts, they don't really want to do it. If they really want to do God's will, it's really not hard to know. In fact, when people are praying, you understand? To know God's will. The prayer, listen. The prayer is not God, let me know your will. God wants to tell you his will more than you want to know it. You are not going to pray until you persuade God to tell you. No. He wanted to tell you from the beginning. Before you woke up that morning, he wanted to tell you. The year before, he wanted to tell you. So, why are we there for praying? The truth is that all our praying, or most of our praying... Is just to be able to receive it if we do know it. God's will is a conversion process in our realization of it most times. It's a conversion process. The way I like to explain it all the time, if God tells a young man, or a young man will be praying, say God, he's in Lagos, and he's born, he was born in Ibadan, grew up in Akure, did university in Ife. And then he got a job in Lagos. How, how more Yoruba can you get than what I have just described? Are you getting my point? All right. Okay. Let's not forget the fact that his father, of course, is from, um, where did I say? Is he Badon? His mother is from, um, 
or show state. Okay, Kitty, thank you very much. So his whole life has revolved around that circle. The few Igbo men he knew when growing up, they were traders in his village. <laughs> in their, on their street. He doesn't know more than that. Then God wants to send him to Abakiliki. Don't worry, he can't hear it. Let God shout from now till tomorrow. He can't hear it. He has heard all kinds of things about Eastern Nigeria. He has heard all kinds of things. See that our lady that just left the news copper. The first day she came for Kingdom of the Ministries. She saw me preaching and came. You sound like a Yoruba man. I said I am. Ah! She was surprised. NYC is good though. She was like, what? I was looking at her like, what, what? <laughs> She's really surprised that I'm here. Ah! So I shouted, Alayenka! Ah! <laughs> I started calling everybody that boy Yoruba name at Kingdom of Ministries that day. She was knocked out like, is this happening? No, somebody pinch me. Somebody me pinch me. I'm really in Enugu. I'm really in Enugu. I said, okay, you are in Enugu. You don't blame her. She had never traveled down here. And YC did the will of God. Put her inside a catapult. Boom! She landed in Enugu. Ogu. A lot of Nigerians are like that. You don't blame them. Now, so you can imagine. So a young man like that, okay, he grew up. So the Lord wants them to a bakiliki. And he starts praying. Abakiliki, the Lord is saying, you know what you will hear? Shagam. If God likes me, he carry a megaphone. Harass my son. Go to Abakiliki. The guy will hear Shagam. That's what he's going to hear. They will not tell people, please, the Lord has called me to Shagam. You move to Shagam. After six months of selling Shagam, his friend will say, please, let's go and see something in Benin. He will go to Benin. After staying a few days in Benin, the Lord will say, Arise, my son, move, move to Abakiliki. He will hear, Arise, my son, move to Benin. Why? Now his heart can receive Benin. The one is in Benin. One day somebody will say, Ah, these clothes you are buying, if you just go to nature, you get it cheaper. The love of cheaper will push him to get to nature. That day he will go there having prayed and interceded, commanding the forces of favor and divine protection. To go with him. Because for the first time in his life, he's crossing River Niger. Then they will carry him into the market. He will look at, he looks like Balogu market. It's not much different from the ones he encountered in Lagos. After all, he has friends who are traders in Balogu too. So he gets used to the nature market. He goes two times, three times, four times. After a while, he's comfortable with going to nature. Then he hears again, arise my son, go to Abakiliki. This time around, he will hear, arise my son, go to Enugu. Because now he has become comfortable in nature. Eastern Nigeria is not strange to him anymore. He will look around for the most reasonable city where he can reside, which is where? Enugu. And he will now be in Enugu for 10 years. Going to Abakaleki to go and do something and coming back until one day he will pray. The Lord will say, Arise, my son, and move to Abakaleki. Then he will not tell everybody, I heard God speak to me clearly. Move to Abakaleki. God will say, eh, After 13 years of talking to you every day. Finally, you go to Abakaleki. I know God is not surprised. Every time God spoke, God was pushing him bit by bit. And each time he moved, he's entering into the will of God, you know, progressively. Progressively. Like I was saying, so when we are praying really, 
when we are praying, we're not praying because uh, we want God to reveal his will. The prayer is to prepare ourselves to accept it. Otherwise, the will of God is really easy. The Lord wants to express it. The Lord wants to tell us. He wants to express it. And listen, let me just say something. That hypothetical young man is telling you about, don't be angry with him. All of us are like that. Jesus said to Peter, there are things I want to tell you. You can't bear them now. The expressions of God's will he wants to tell you, you can't bear them. So we relax. He's not in a hurry. Like I've given this illustration many times, or an instance of it. The whole of the book of the laws of Moses that God gave to Israel through Moses. That was not really God's will. You see what I say? It was the will of God that they could receive. Do you get my point? That was not God's will. It was the will of God that they could receive. How do I know? Jesus said, in the beginning, it was not so. He that made them, made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the two of them shall become one flesh. And whatever God will join together, let no one put asunder. They say, okay, how come Moses said we could divorce our wives? He said, because of the hardness of your heart. So many of the laws of Moses were trying to obey. God said, I didn't write them for you. I wrote them for wicked people. If you don't tell them, cut 10% of their income. They won't drop anything. They will not. But you that have the life of Christ, don't limit yourself to 10%. Every time I give you resources and I give you opportunity, balance the two of them. I hope you're getting my point. That is opportunity to be a blessing. Opportunity to go. Don't calculate percentage for me. I gave that percentage to people who did not understand generosity. So when I'm praying about God, without I'm trying to say, just knowing, just having a heart that says this, that God has a will for my life. That solves half of the problem. And many times, that solves everything. Many times, that is the solution. That is the total and complete solution. When we are praying, many times we are just converting ourselves. We are converting ourselves into the will of God. And listen, believers, bear it in mind every time you have to make a decision. God cares. Not only does he care, he actually has determined whether you should, should move from Abakliki to Enugu. Or whether you should move from Enugu to Bayelsa. Or move from Bayelsa to Portacot. Or move from Portacot to Lagos. Or move from Lagos to abroad. He, he not only cares, he actually has a plan. How will I know it? It's simple. Just know he has. And just know, you don't just make up your mind simply because you want to make up your mind. I was in Lagos many years ago. I wanted to leave. And I had made up my mind to leave. And God said, this guy, he will miss it if I don't correct him. I went to church that day. And I got a tape. Through a long story, I got a tape. Rima, the living word of God by Bishop David Oedipo. And I got home. I decided to, of course, Lagos was hot and all of that. So I went to have a bath. So that I could sleep comfortably. And of course, after having a bath, you would be more alert. So I said, no, let me. And I used to do that. I play a message so that my short alert period before I finally get up to sleep, I listen to something. As Bishop began to preach, as he began to teach that in that tape, what was I hearing? Make a long story short. After 15 minutes or 10 minutes, I sat up. No, 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 no. I mustn't fall asleep. That tip was 45 minutes long, thereabout. By the time he was done, all I heard is that all the plans you made up till now, 
is your own plan. Don't ask me how I heard it. The moment I became aware that God has a specific plan and I must be careful to obey it each time. Just like my friend who somebody just told him and he said, I knew it was not the will of God. This one too, as soon as I just consciously thought about it, through that teaching, on the spot, in fact, I still remember, I, because in the tape to the Saturday prayer, I joined the prayer. And what was I saying? I'm sorry. All my prayer was, Lord, I am sorry. I realized that at that point, no certain things began to fall in place. I just realized I was not comfortable. I was, I'm not a Lagos person at heart. I'm not one of those that like Lagos. Since I left, it was escape. Escape. That's why I escaped for Lagos. When I came to Enugu, people used to say, this is, ah, yeah, you left Lagos and came to Enugu. In my mind, you didn't come to Enugu, you stayed in Lagos. Do you get my point? I'm wondering how did you, how are you managing? I'm the one having fun here. I'm the one that escaped from Sobibo. I mean, okay, you watched the movie. Yes. I'm the one that escaped. Do you understand my point? That's how it is. Opening our hearts helps us to know that God indeed has a specific will. Alright, that's the first part of it. The second part of it, which we're, we're not going to go into in, in details, is that the things materially we're supposed to have in life, the blessings, not only materially, the, what, the things we call blessings in life that we're supposed to have, they are also decided by God's word. They are not our ideas. They are not our ideas. God has decided them ahead of time. I said something the other time, and I need to say that again. And that's the fact that one major responsibility we have as believers is just to convert ourselves into God's thinking process. That's what Isaiah 55 says. When it says, my ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts, God was not bragging on the superiority of his ways. He was rebuking us on, on backsliding. That we left the prescribed way and went to a lower way. Why I need to emphasize that is that I was in the Bible study recently and I realized that people are thinking that God's ways are so high. Somebody actually said, that why are we trying to attain it? His ways are higher than our own. As if like, let's leave him where he's God. That's not what he said. What he said by his ways. He's not saying that the way I move about in heaven. It means the prescribed instructions, that is the prescribed method of walking on the earth. The instructions that I gave you, you are not following them. When Samsung makes an appliance, when Sony makes video cameras, they write a fat manual and they give it to you. That is the way of Sony. I hope you're getting my point. That manual is the way of Sony. If you decide to operate the Sony camera, like you bought uh, JVC, you will have problems. And then JVC, okay, Sony will say, my way is not JVC's way. He's not saying that the issue now is not on the fact that um, we are better than JVC. The issue is that this is not how we made it. So he will tell you, return. What does it mean to return? Pick my own manual. My name is Sonny. I used to operate your video camera. And most of the problems you are having will vanish. In the same manner. For us human beings, God has written the way we are supposed to operate. And if we are doing anything lower or different from that, he will say, your ways are not my ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to abandon the way that we have been going and pick up the way of God. That's what Christianity is. Why are we here? Why are we spending our time day in, day out, learning, hearing? It's just trying to connect with the mind of God 
to think the way he does. That's all. And that's concerning every aspect of life. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, that is the way by which you abide in me is by my words abiding in you. He said, you will ask what you wish, and it shall be done. Now, what God, what was he saying there? When you abide in me, it generates desires for you. You know, one mistake we make a lot of times is that we have our own desires. They want to look for the word of God to bring out our desires into reality. That's not what Jesus was saying. What the Lord Jesus was saying is simple. If you abide in me, there are desires that will come out of that interaction. There are prayers you will pray because of that interaction. But people who do not have their desires generated from that interaction, when you give your testimonies, they want to say, how did you get it? How did you get it? I pray these are the scriptures I used. Then they take desires, desires generated by the world. And then they take scriptures, they want to use it to bring it to pass. They will not make statements like, whatever you desire, you know, believe you have received it. So they go out, and in the neighborhood, one guy buys an E350 Mercedes Benz. One guy buys a 2018 Avalon. Another guy buys, you know, a Jaguar. And all of them are his age mates and his mates in life. So they put him under pressure. They, the neighbors, the world, they generate a desire in him. So he now desires to have a Range Rover. Then he goes to the scriptures and says, Jesus said, Whatever you desire. They start believing doctrines like paint it on the wall. So it goes online, downloads the biggest resolution Range Rover picture he can find. They print a large one for him and he puts it in his bedroom opposite his bed. So when he lies down in the morning, he starts worshipping his idols. That is when he wakes up in the morning, he's worshipping his idol. And he says, it's faith. If you can see it, you can possess it. Now, that statement is correct, but this is now being used for idolatry. They said, confess it. Rejoice over it. So a seed towards it. But that's pure idolatry. They were using the true statements. We now use those principles that appear true. And then we use them to, you know, service idolatry. And listen, people of God, that's why many times in life we don't receive what we're asking God for. Our desires are not generated from scripture. Our desires are not generated from interacting with the word of God. They are generated by our neighbors. They are generated by the world. That's what we call covetousness. That's what we call worldliness. Please remove that rubbish photograph from your wall. It's not the will of God. I am not saying you shouldn't like a Range Rover. If you like, like it. Just remove the picture from your wall. That's all I'm saying. Stop waking up every morning declaring words over material things. It's a waste of divine time. The assignment, you know, David Paulson said his father used to say that life is too short to waste time, you know, pursuing so many things. He said, but there is just enough time to do what God wants you to do. 
that life is too short does not apply to you if you are following God's will for your life. But it's not, you don't have enough excess time to be wasting time. Listen, I said, some of these things, they are not evil and hellfire attracting things. They are just a reason why people will not be faithful in divine assignment. Because the time, you see, he said that there was a servant in the house. He was busy maltreating the other servants. That's why he didn't do what he was told to do. It's the fact that he was busy. He was too busy maltreating. Anything that's a distraction to you is a sin for you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The time a Christian is supposed to spend praying about serious things is hanging picture of Range Rover on the wall. It shows destiny is not important in your life. These are desires generated by interaction with the world. Jesus is not guaranteed a fulfillment of them. These days, many, you know, let me sit on that. I need to. Many people come to church now to get a fulfillment of their worthy desires. And we pastors, you know, it swells in numbers. Because if you teach on how to break through in business, young men and young women will come. You are a free business school. Business schools can be expensive. But in churches, we do these things free of charge. Listen, I'm not saying they are bad, though. Please, are you getting my point? I'm just trying to say, if you make it a focus, your church becomes a business school. It starts being a place where the word of Christ is being elevated. So no matter how much you teach people about business, don't change their lives. And what God is calling at the end of the day is the amount of Christ-likeness that is effected in them. So you can have a church of very rich people who learnt principles of wealth building from your platform. And you will say, look at the results we got. And Jesus will come and say, you are poor, you are miserable, you are blind, you are wretched, you are naked. Yet everybody is driving flashy cars. All of them build their house by the time they are 32, 33, 34. Their houses are so great and mighty. When Jesus walks in, what he's checking is not what he are checking. He will not ask anybody, which car are you driving? He looks at you and checks how much of himself he can see. That's what he checks. How much of himself is he seeing inside you? And pastors, listen. You are held responsible to a large extent for the lives of those who listen to you regularly. I'm not kidding, no. You are held responsible. You say, ah, Pastor Bank, what do you mean? This is what I mean. If, they, if God finds out that the reason why they are misbehaving is because of, of what you were teaching or what you refuse to teach, it's your fault. They have their own fault. I'm not saying they don't have their own fault. They have their own responsibilities. But if it is a result of your teaching, your instruction, then you take a part in their judgment. Matter of fact. Jeroboam was punished not only for the sins he committed, but the one he caused Israel to commit. As a pastor, you are making people behave one kind. Make sure it is the good kind. <laughs> Do you understand my point? Yes. If people listen to you, you are affecting their behavior. Like I said today, you know, we just come back from away. Our seminar ended this afternoon around 2 o'clock. See, I said to them, anybody you admire and you pay attention to is sending a spirit into your life. If your dress code is from Kim Kardashian, you're an adulteress. I don't care how you think. You're, 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 you're a sinner. True, true. On Instagram, Christian following Kim Kardashian. I think he's a sinner. You, you don't have destiny in front of you. 
even follow Joyce Meyer. She preaches and dresses well at the same time. At least use that excuse. Say, we're well, listening to the word and they'll be peeping at her blouse. <laughs> you know, you want to follow, follow on social media. You are following those that say there's no God, immorality is normal. Marry one man for 70 days, divorce him, get pregnant from another one, marry him, watch how long it will last. What's your claim to fame? Immorality? And a Christian will register herself on Twitter and click follow. If you were God, wouldn't you send you into hellfire? Just think about it. So Christians, preachers, no, Christians generally first, anybody you are following, you are admiring, they are sending the spirit into you. Little doses here and there. Those are the things that determine how you behave. Please read the book. Someone is controlling you. I explained that inside there. But back to peace preachers. You are held responsible for how people behave. If they listen to you all the time and they pay attention, they are obeying you. If you lie to them, their sin is your sin. Let me tell you what I'm saying on the joke. That's why James said, when they offer the job of preacher, say I'm busy. That's what James said. He said the judgment of those who teach the word is double. And the reason is simple. They are held for what they say wrong and they are held responsible for what the people obey that are wrong. So I don't know why everybody just clam on it. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a pastor. Bros, you will live longer if you are not a pastor. Really. Unless you are really called and you are careful to pay attention to your ministry. You are careful not to mix anything with this work that you are doing. That's just by the way. So the point I'm making is this. So, we pastors, we have to be careful. Sometimes if you turn it to teaching people about business, 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 they will succeed in business. Like, remember that one guy, one brother. Okay, okay, maybe you don't know. But one of our brothers, he went for one big program in Lagos where they gathered teachers of the word. And that brother saw him there and said, ah, what are you doing here? This is not your church program now. This is the church you go to. He said, bros, in my church we teach success. We have succeeded. Let's find Jesus. Did you hear what I said? He said, bros, we don't succeed. Now let's find Christ. Because I was, ah, you know that church, other program. He said, yes. Because if I go to church and I start to succeed, they will teach me. I have succeeded. Look at my salary. It's big. I have a house. Look at my car. Look at my investment. But I haven't found Jesus all these years. It's possible to succeed without finding Jesus. You know that? He said it himself. What will he profit a man if he gains the whole world? So he can gain the whole world. So many times, people say the world sets standards for us. We follow the standards that the world has set. It generates our prayer points. When I start asking God, do it, do it, do it. And God has not guaranteed he will do that. The one he has guaranteed are the prayer points, the desires. And that's what I'm talking about. Generated from interacting with him. And believers, we must deliberately ask God, what do you want me to have? What do you want me to have? He has things he wants you to have. There are times he doesn't want to have some things. He gave us an example. He told Jeremiah, don't seek anything for yourself. Why? He said, all I'm going to give you is your life as reward. 
as literally booty, as if you fought, and this is what you will gain, your life. So Jeremiah preached and preached and preached. He did everything. God said, all you will get is your life. Why? You are living at a time when I will bring destruction upon the people. There is no time to acquire houses. The only time he told him to buy land, you know why he told him to buy the land? As a sign that the land has been judged. He said, houses will still be built in this place. That is, I'll bring my people back after 70 years. So he told him, buy the land. Let them write a receipt for you. Go to the state ministry of lands. Get your certificate of occupancy. Then tie it properly. Bury it in a pot. Put in a pot, then bury it and cover it. One day, people will dig up that land and see that exactly what Jeremiah said has been fulfilled. That was the only time he told him to buy land. Jeremiah's desires. At that time, if you say, pray for something. Say, Lord, well, I don't want to die. Let me not die in Jesus' name. Amen. Any other thing? Say, no, that thing. You all don't want a car? For what? The Babylonians will collect it. Do you want a house? For what now? They will break it. What about jewelry? That will make my house attractive. What about clothes? We are going to go naked when we are going. There's no need. Everything you offer Jeremiah, you say there's no need. The Lord said the Babylonians will collect everything. So why are we worrying? And they will kill many people. But he has told me, me, I will not die. So they came, like he prophesied. They left him. The other people took him to Egypt, were cut up and down. Jeremiah did not die in their hands. They tried to harass his life. But the word of God had gone out and told him, I will give you your life as booty. Jeremiah's desire, that's an example, was generated from the word of God. And as a matter of fact, in this generation, there are things God wants people to ask for. For Abraham, God told him, come, I will show you a land. Are you serious? Yes. Enough for you and your descendants after you. Even after I've made them as numerous as the sand on the seashore. So, you see, I noticed something. In the season of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their intense desires were for a posterity. That is like two things they wanted. One, they wanted people that would carry the name. And they wanted land that would, be, that would bear their name. What I'm trying to say is that, you see, Abraham was concerned. What do you give me since I go childless? That was an important thing to him at that time. And it was a desire God planted in their hearts because God was populating the earth. This is, you don't, you don't, you don't, the New Testament promises are not there. Then us that your seed will be mighty and you're thinking of your children, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren, your great great grandchildren, your 12 tribes, all bearing your name. There's a reason for it. God has kind of taken that intense desire away from our heart. He has replaced it with other things. For Abraham, no matter what you give him, he meant nothing. Except he saw what will happen to his descendants. It was high in their hearts. So people like him will live a civilized society and move into the bush, move into the wilderness to build a new nation. And they will do it with gladness. That was a desire that interacting with God generated. Same thing with Isaac. Same thing with Jacob. I hope you're getting my point. In this generation, do you know in the time of Paul, he didn't understand why everybody, anybody bothered to get married. And there's a reason for it. 
Okay? Paul's matter was, he was so urgent in advancing the gospel. He felt every natural entanglement was an entanglement, an encumbrance. So he had no problems with people getting married. He told them what to do. He told them everything. He taught a lot about it, how husbands should behave, how wives should behave. He said, but if you go and meet Paul, I'm believing God for what? For your wife. Say, why do you need? Just join me. You know, he wouldn't join hands with you. He will tell you all the negative things about it. Don't blame him. That was a part of the book that belonged to him. He read it was so clear to him. He didn't understand why everybody was not like him. And he said it like this. I wish everybody would be like me. Of course everybody won't be like you. He said to himself, everybody has his own gift from God. He said, but left to me, everybody will all be apostles. We'll all be prophets, evangelists, and teachers. We'll just be going around all over the place doing the same thing. I hope you're getting my point. What I'm trying to say, in this generation, God births desires in people. He does. But again, it's as we interact with God's word. He has a general thing for everybody. And I'm saying to Christians again today, be careful that everything you want is derived from what he has promised. We read something today for us to bring out something. Bear this in mind, you cannot outthink God. I first heard that, that's not why I'm quoting it, but Mary Kay used that expression in her book, Miracles Happen. She said, you can't outthink, no, okay, she said, you can't outgive God, okay, that's what she said. I like her story, I don't like to, to narrate that story, but if we necessarily we'll get there later. But you can't outthink God is what I'm saying. What am I going to say? Matthew chapter 6, let's read it. From verse 25. He said, For this reason I say to you, because no one can serve two masters and all of that, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, they do not reap, they do not gather into bands. He said, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? That is, the birds don't eat by chance. God appointed their food for them. And which of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? So that is a portion of Gentiles. They eagerly seek all these things. He said, why shouldn't you worry? For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But we must seek something. What is it? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Let me stop reading here. I said something you cannot what? I'll thank God. He said, eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. He said, it has not yet entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. 
Not for those he loves, but what? For those who love him. Bear that in mind. You know what he said to Israel? There was a time he was sending Israel into captivity. He said, I know the thoughts I have for you. Now listen to this. These people were going into captivity. Jeremiah told them, that listen, don't be afraid to go and meet the Babylonians. Go out, join them. Surrender to them. You are going into captivity. He said to them clearly, he said, he said that to to them, all right, beforehand. He wrote them in a letter now. He wrote this in a letter to them. For the people of Jerusalem, that's Judah, that they are taken into captivity. He said, Thus says the Lord from verse 4 of Jeremiah chapter 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of heaven, to all the exiles that have sent, not that Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar took, but that I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen to that, this. Before we read further, the people felt this was a calamity. The people who felt this was trouble. Are you getting my point? So naturally, what's the first thing that is inside your heart as a captive? You, think, you are thinking of the day you will get back home. Your name is Joseph, they sold into slavery. If God can just deliver me. I will keep away from this, my brothers. I never knew Reuben could be like this. Old man like him. That was the most senior. Simeon. Ha! How will you do me like this? Naphtali, my brother that I used to help. Wicked souls, even Judah, a true Judah. Once God delivers me, and of course, you know, that was on his mind. It never left his mind. It was in Potiphar's house. It never left his mind. How do I know when he got into prison? He still told that man, please, oh, I prophesied for you now. When it works, remember me. He wanted to go home. It's a natural thing. Please don't get me. Um, don't, don't, don't misunderstand him. It's a natural thing. It's now we know that God had a special plan. He did not know that. I know he never went back home. Those people that went into captivity in Babylon, most of them never went back home. Jeremiah now wrote to them. I know what you are thinking. I know many prophets came telling them that in two years, all kinds of things. <laughs> Jeremiah said, forget that thing. Jeremiah said, relax. 70 years you'll be in captivity. So if you are 70 years old now, you'll be 140. If you cannot endure till you are 140, you will die in captivity. So forget it. Don't claim deliverance. It will not happen. Amongst the people taking that time, you remember him? Daniel. Daniel read the book. Daniel was young. Probably a young teenager, 13, 14, thereabout. When he took them out in captivity into Babylon. As an old man, he read that book. About 70 years later, he read the scrolls of Jeremiah and discovered that it was 70 years that God said. Now, please, bear this in mind. So Jeremiah wrote to the people, he said, instead of thinking of leaving Jerusalem or Babylon or coming back to Jerusalem, he said, forget it. Build houses in Babylon. Live in them. He said, plant gardens. Eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. That they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Don't be angry with the Babylonians. That's the next verse. Seek the welfare of the city 
where I have sent you into exile, and pray for the Lord, pray to the Lord on his behalf. For in its welfare you will have welfare. In its peace you will have peace. For thus the word peace, shalom, also means prosperity. I hope you get the point. He said, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the divine God, he said, the God of Israel. Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, this is where I'm going on, this is why we read all of this. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you, to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare or for good and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Let me just stop reading here. Why did I read this? They had their own plans. For returning to Jerusalem. God said your plans will not work. The plans that I am giving you. Are plans for good. And not for evil. Even though it may not look nice to you. But my plans are good. Back to Joseph. Oh. Even though you want to come back to your father's house. If you see the things I have planned for you. You will want to stay in Egypt. I don't know whether you are getting my point here. Listen. As a matter of fact. We cannot outthink God. He has planned every aspect of our lives. He has. Listen, the one major problem we have in life is trusting this statement I have made. It's trusting that God is actually reliable and he fulfills his promises in our lives. That is a major problem we have as people on this earth. Jesus told us he knows what you need before you ask him. He said, don't use vain repetitions. You know why he said so? He said, there's no need telling God something as if it's your idea. Well, Father, you know, I, 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 last week I told you about promotion. I told you about promotion. The promotion I'm believing you for. Promotion, promotion, promotion. Promotion, promotion, promotion. Promotion. You know, promotion now. You know, promotion. Every prayer time, promotion, promotion, promotion. Every prayer time, then you, when it doesn't come quickly, you know what they tell you? You need to tie God's hands and bind him. Bind him. So that you won't have any choice but to promote you. Then you take an offering and give it to tie his hand as if you are more interested in his promoting you than he is interested in promoting you. If you have that thought, you have misunderstood your father. You didn't hear what I said? Listen to me. Your promotion enters if it's important. Can I digress? The fact that you got something from God does not mean he wanted to give you. If you're a stubborn fellow, he has been giving you things you're not supposed to have. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, some of us are very stubborn. They will come and give testimony to explain our stubbornness. I said, no, God, me, I will not take it. In the name of Jesus, I commanded it in the king. <laughs> God said, okay, now. Drive the motor. Change the motor. There are times... <laughs> Let me just say this again. I'm learning everybody to relax in prayer. 
In fact, one of the prayers I prayed now is God to help me relax more than I have relaxed in his hands before. People have been concerned for me about my whole life many times. I have to explain to them, please, don't be concerned. The, somebody, the person who's in charge has made, his, made up his mind that things will be like this. What's your problem? You cannot think better for yourself than he can think of for you. It's not possible. That's why I tell to you all the time, if all the plans you have for your life has worked out, I'm afraid for you. You're not blessed though. I hope you know I'm not joking about that. I mean that literally. If every plan you've made for your life over the last 15 years have been working out exactly the way you planned it, you're not blessed yet. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So by the end of four years, we'll do, we'll do this, we'll move here, we'll make this turnover, we'll do this one, we'll invest here, we'll build this house, we'll buy this car, we'll do this one. It's been working out exactly like that. He said, what if I saw it prophetically before it happened? You didn't see it. You did not, you did not. Trust me, that's all I can say. I don't know how to explain it more than that. Listen, the word of God is never that clear when it's given. No. He gives room for misunderstanding. God does things such a manner that you will misunderstand if you are not walking by faith all the time. I'm not kidding about that all. Why am I saying this? If your thoughts, you know, you're thinking about yourself, planning for yourself, you're always planning, planning, planning. Listen, so when you have failed, you should rejoice. When you have failed, it's time for rejoicing. If you make plans, you invested money, you bought land, you wanted to build a factory here or build an office here, and rainy season came, you didn't know government had blocked one road and redirected one channel, and it flooded the land you spent all the money on. Rejoice and be glad in that day because your real blessing is about to start. God frustrates the plans of his children. Please, let nobody preach to you like, also declared by faith it must happen the same way you said it. It's not true. Many times your declaration by faith is what kills the thing. Why? Because God says, ah, this boy really has faith. This girl really has faith. So what are we going to do? We'll destroy his plan destroy her own plan, and build our own. Some people have so seed that I will enter this university. This is the university I'm going to go to. In the name of Jesus, I will enter university this year, but this year, they so seed, planned, prayed, declared. Then that very year, the course they applied for, NUC comes, remove the accreditation. And the university is not admitting anybody there for the next three years. Then the one that you did not want, finally offers you a course that you are not so excited about, but you, God Lord now puts a spirit in you that I don't want to stay at home. <laughs> then because I don't want to stay as, at home, you enter a university you were not really hoping to enter before, studying a course you were not so excited about. Then, 18 years later, you look back and start testifying. The Father, I thank God for that day. The greatest thing that's happened to me in life is that I went to this school and I studied this course. You know the truth? Most people will have forgotten that disappointment. No, we, we, no, especially when we are people of faith, we like to, you know, it's one of the reasons why I like to testify bad, bad things about my life. Because when people look at you like this, they believe everything has worked out well the way you planned it. And that's why you are preaching the way you are preaching. No. It doesn't always work like that. In fact, it hardly works like that. You think Paul woke up in the morning and say, 
Before the end of today, we'll be shipwrecked and I'll be floating for 48 hours. I declare it in the name of Jesus. No. He made normal plans. We should be in, you know, in Tarsus or whatever it is by this time tomorrow. By this time tomorrow, they are in the middle of the sea. The boat is upside down and it's floating. The only thing he says to you is that none of these things move me. That's the only thing he says to you. Listen, disappointment is part of the life of a Christian. Don't think you have so much faith, you'll never be disappointed. What am I going to say? It's simple. Because you don't have enough wisdom to plan your own life. You don't. That's what I'm saying. Read Oswald Chambers. He will explain this one to you. This is what I'm saying. Oswald Chambers likes to drum that thing into the hearts of believers. One of the signs that God is taking care of you that your own plans will not work. Don't only think about it in the negative aspect. I need to balance it out. Many times, the things that God does in your life, you never dreamt of them. Well, I need to add that one to it. That is, you didn't plan them. You did not plan them. Because, you know, I like to use examples everybody knows. Ask Dangote. He's the richest black man on this earth right now. He's the richest African, right? Last year, they paid him something between 700 and 800 million dollars in dividends from cement alone. Dangote cement alone. 200 and, let's just make it easy. About 270 billion naira was what he was paid in one year. He did not ever want to invest in cement production. He didn't. The men that persuaded him, persuaded him to, because they felt you are already rich, you don't need money again. I don't know whether you're getting my point. They say you don't need money, you are rich. So what do I do? Build something. You can't just continue trading, trading, trading like that. People don't make name like this. You have made money. Now please make a name. That's the reason why he did what he did. Don't think he had the wisdom to plan it. Let's look, use this worldly thing as an example further. How many people know of Mark Zuckerberg? He's number what rich man in the world now. He's amongst the top ten. I don't know because the positions change every few weeks. Okay, he's definitely top ten. He has risen as high as five. You know, you know, but you know, it changes. The reigning guy now is um, Amazon. Jeff Bezos. Amazon has only existed for twenty-five years, by the way. Today is their twenty-fifth anniversary. Yesterday. 25th anniversary of Amazon. He started as a book selling website in his garage. His books he wanted to sell. But that's just by the way. Mark Zuckerberg was offered, who offered him? Who wanted to buy Facebook from him? Was it Google or somebody? I've forgotten who. They offered him good money, about $300 million or so. I've forgotten how much. The only reason why he didn't sell, only one reason. He did not know what else he would be doing. That, okay, if I sell you Facebook, what other work will I be doing? Facebook is keeping me busy. Which other job will I be doing? That's why he did not sell. Don't think he planned to be the fifth richest boy. (laughs) You know, he didn't plan to be that rich. He just said, what else will I be doing? And you know the only reason why he became rich? And some other people became poor. That is, they lost market share. Because Chinese people made a, a holding a smartphone cheap. If you had to open your uh, computer, which was how it began. I still remember when we were de- de- debating 
on how to design the Facebook to fit a handheld device. Because most handheld devices were still four inches less thereabout. They did not know that the time will come when everybody will be carrying huge phones. That the average phone size, screen size, in people's hands will be like five point something inches. They didn't know. It was, I still remember it was in the news where they are trying to engineer, to you know, software engineering to make, make a long story short. What nobody predicted was that production of smartphones with big screens will become commonplace. That every serious country will be making one. Chinese people flooded the whole place with billions of units so that now every adult carries a big screen smartphone so they can gossip 24 hours a day. And because they're always gossiping, this man became one of the richest men in the world. I'm saying to you, it was not planned. Let me give you a tip. Christians, stop planning your life too much. I've heard Christians, I got into argument with some, this is, I don't get argue so much, so I quickly dropped it. I got into argument with my friend the other day, talking about plans. I said, no, God does not want long-term plans. It's a worldly principle. Long-term plans is a worldly principle. It's not divine. I can say that if you don't agree with me, come and show me scripture where God wants you as a person to have long-term plans. You know why he doesn't want it? That's purely the glory of God. There are things he controls. Let me explain what I say. Listen, they came and said, will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? He said, why are you asking questions concerning things that God has kept within his own power alone? There are things that are reserved for the power of God. Truth. There are things that are reserved for him alone. Nobody is his glory. You know, my glory I will share with no one else. That's part of his glory. Nobody, anybody who stands and says, I plan things to be like this is lying. He said, but it's his life. I'm telling you, he's lying. People lie a lot. Though. I know what I'm telling you. People lie a lot. So, Pastor Banke, we shouldn't have long-term plans. Is that what you are saying? Yes, that is what I said. And I'm saying it again. What kind of plans do you have? Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What do you mean by the day? Each season of life, life is broken into seasons. Same thing as days. For example, if you are a student, you are in first year university, your course you are studying is five years. One day for you is five years. So what plans you have for five years is simple. Get, perform well in every subject. And university education is not the same as primary, secondary school education. A university student should open his or her mind. I always encourage people, read, be very informed. Don't go to school. You are studying Geography as an example, and the only thing you know is the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun and the things that are inside the earth. You, you only know geography. That's one thing I don't really like about our educational system in Nigeria. We don't do minors and majors. You go to ab- abroad, you know, American universities, people, they, you major in this and minor in something else. You see somebody whose major is that geography and minor is history. Because as a university, you have enough time to read a lot of other things. So even if we don't have a system that makes it compulsory, my advice to young people is mind knowing something. Mind knowing music. Mind knowing software engineering. 
You won't know as much as those who did pure software engineering, but learn something. But sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Those five years, focus on your studies and do things that young people are supposed to do in that period. Learn a skill. You can decide that, okay, I'm in school for eight months. I'm on holiday for one month here, three months there. During that period, I learned sewing. I learned acting. I learned music. I do my part-time theology like people like us did. I studied bachelor's in medicine and in surgery, but I came out with a diploma in theology. Nobody awarded me the certificate, but I had it. <laughs> Nobody gave me the certificate. <laughs> no, I told you the testimony before. I had, when I was seven, my friend had a BA in theology. He didn't go to universities, four walls of the university. He went to theological seminary affiliated University of Ibadan. So he got a BA in theology. We finished one year of friendship in NYC, a few months, less than that. At the end of the day, he wrote me a letter. He said, you challenged me to read the Bible. He had a BA in theology. But he said, I challenged him to read his Bible. Because there was no word he dropped I did not know about. He, he talked textual, textual criticism, or what they call lower criticism. I knew about it. We discussed it. We argued. He started with higher, I knew about higher criticism. Of course, I didn't know everything he knew. But for somebody who had to study anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, pathology, pharmacology, obstetric and gynecology, pediatrics, medicine and surgery, community medicine, and be arguing with a man who did nothing but theology, I got my mind on. <laughs> I did. I did. By the time we finished, he sent me a letter, you know, which we handwrite. He said, oh boy, you challenged me to read the Bible. So I tell you, we might know in something. That's one day. What will happen after, you can't tell. Should you have desires? Why not? Desires are free. You wake up in the morning, create, just get new desire. One day I'm going to the moon. Think about it. <laughs> no problem. I will design the first car that moved backwards 24-7. Just think about it. There's no other. Just <laughs> having all kinds of thoughts and ideas. Do you know why? We Christians think that God is our plan. I remember that brother saying that God is waiting for a long-term plan. When I say, what will he do with it? We have this silly idea that he will now bless it. You forget that he had his own plan before you were born. That's the concept. We think that we plan, he blesses it. No. He will not bless it except that was the plan he made. No long-term plan works. How many people know that Yahoo? No. What was it? Oh, okay, good. Let me give you a few examples of long-term plans. Bill Gates said it. I read it last week. I read it on CNBC Africa. Bill Gates said the worst business mistake he's made, costing Microsoft is it four hundred trillion dollars? I forgot how many trillion dollars. Why? That how did he allow Android to come out before Bill Gates developed their own operating system for mobile? software. Since that time, every plan he has made to enter the mobile, you know, phone business has collapsed. He bought Nokia. The spirit departed from <laughs> first. Let's not even talk about Nokia in itself. 
Nokia opened their mouth. You know what they said one day? I said, no wonder you failed. Nokia said, we did everything right. We don't know what went wrong. I said, you must really be foolish people. Because after you've done everything right and you see what went wrong, you can't look back and check what you did. So you have no sense of hindsight. Your hindsight is zero. Zero. When it's supposed to be like they say, 2020. I said, that's what they call hubris. Pride. You felt you knew it. They uttered the statement. The power belongs to God. They opened, you know, there are statements you don't make. I said the other day, I gave a wrong figure, that they said, Iran, what in the Bible is called Persia, the Persian kingdom, that's what's today's Iran. They celebrated 2,500 years of the Persian empire in the 70s or early 80s. And the Shah of Iran called himself King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There are titles you don't use. Jesus takes them personal. People have called me before to tell me how much I have blessed them. I have to say, please slow down. Before God didn't judge me because of your adoration, please warn yourself. So we are telling Pastor, you be, I said, we thank God. We give God praise. He is the, is the blesser. He is the one, not me. Oh, please don't put me in trouble. Sometimes when I do that, we thank God, we thank God. It's not because of, it's not humility, it's fear. It's a jealous God. Say, Banky, what did they call you? Says, not me, it's them. <laughs> did you accept it, lie, lie? <laughs> they said, King of kings and Lord of lords. David Paul said he heard that and said, this man is gone. Many months later, Islamic revolution happened. He said, I knew he was gone. How can you open your mouth? And when Jesus is alive, you think he's dead? He's not dead. There are titles you don't use. You don't call yourself king or king or lord of lords. Back to Nokia. Nokia opened their mouth and made a statement. They didn't know it was hubris. They didn't know they were fighting the Lord. They said, we decide the direction of mobile telephony in the world. God said, yeah. When Jesus grabbed head because of you, just know, just know you're gone. God said, what did you say? Did you not hear what the Bible says? Once he has spoken, twice I have heard it. The power belongs to God. So God said, end them. Nokia opened their mouth and made a statement that we decide. God said, ha, you don't decide. Do you know the truth? Jesus decides everything. He's the judge of the living and the dead. Once Nokia made that statement, God said, no, it's enough. Forget it. They did everything. The partner with Microsoft. The more they innovated, the more they went down. Finally, they sold off their mobile arm. So when you buy a Nokia now, it's not the Nokia of Finland of those days. I don't know who's using it now. They tried everything. At the end of the day, they are not, are they up to 3%? No. Between Samsung and Apple, those ones chop more than 50%. Chinese people, are selling more than Nokia. I'm sure even Infinity is selling more than Nokia now. Listen to me. You don't, listen. That's, I'm talking about this long-term plan, long-term plan, long-term plan. Long-term planning is a plan, is a right of God. You don't struggle with him. What he allows you is day operations. That is the operations for the day. So he says to the young man, you are in university for the next five years. He says, yes, sir. 
Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What I will bring out of your life, you don't even know it exists as of today. I don't know whether you are getting my point. You don't even know. Sometimes parents plan for their children. Say when you finish, you will take over this company. By the time they finish, the boys become missionaries. You know when God wants to do you strong thing, that's what he does. You send the boy to Harvard, send him everything, learn everything. Why? Because your name is so, 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 and so you have a lot of business, the boy will take over. Then the boy will now finish. One day, he starts, you see me in his room. Hey, Kalabaraba, he's worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. Sir, what are you doing? Daddy, I'm speaking in tongues. What? So just be speaking in tongues and reading the book. You use the tongues to prosper the business. And finally, one of the boys says that, uh, I were praying the other day, me and some prophets and teachers. And the Lord said, separate for me, Barnabas and me. <laughs> And your father will not call family meeting. You know why it's called a family meeting? Because his plan of 25 years, this small boy wants to scatter it. Sure, you know it's in the Bible like that. David said, uh, Solomon said, the man is laying up wealth. He does not even know who will spend it. Solomon said something. He said, his son that is coming after him, whether he will be a fool or be a wise man, he does not even know. Many people, they send sons to places. The boys got this high smoking book. The man himself said, this boy can't take over my company. What long-term plan do I have for my children? I am as confused as they concerning their future. I'm not lying to you. I'm being honest. God knows I'm not just... My children, one is university, the rest are in secondary school. I am as confused as they are. Do you get my point? If you ask the children, say, this is what I will be... He says, okay, good, good, good. One says, it's going to be a doctor. Good, 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 good. I have no problem. If you come tomorrow, it's bringing guitar. I will not. Do you understand? I will not be disappointed. They can't disappoint me. I'm being honest with you, my people. You only disappoint me if you smoke Igbo. You will disappoint me. Once you don't smoke Igbo, you don't use codeine, you don't... Now church, they go. If you come one day, I see you cutting cloth, cutting cloth. What do you want to be? You want to be a fashion designer? I'll go and buy a machine. I will not, me and you will not quarrel one day. If my, one of my children come tomorrow, buy big business, say he wants to fire Akara, and he likes those who are selling Akara, I will go to, is he artisan? I will find him or her spot. <laughs> I pray you guys will believe what I'm saying. I will only give you condition. That you can only fry this akara on weekends. And you must pass this your subjects in school. The more you pass, the more beans I buy. <laughs> Some of you think I'm joking, but God knows I'm not kidding. Because I've realized that many of those who have this long-term plan, go and get your PhD from Harvard. At the end of the day, you go and queue at Dangote's door, applying for a job in his refinery. Is it a lie? There's one man in, let me not mention the town, somewhere in southern Nigeria, a rich man, he has been, he sent his child to Harvard, everything. The boy, it's expected the boy to take over the company. The boy ran his father's company for two years. The man sacked him. Two years. 
It didn't just, it, it wasn't like, I fire you. It's more like, oh boy, sit down. This is your Harvard business, which is going to kill this thing. So what we are going to do that you, he asked, but what do you want? The boy told him, the man counted good money, a rich man. If the man said, needed five, the boy needed 500 million naira, the man gave it to him. Helped him set up his business, and the old man resumed work. Because in two years, by the time the boy did downsizing, right-sizing, education, do this one, retraining. Ah. What do you concern Agbero concern overload? <laughs> do you get my mind? You see, he didn't understand the Nigerian culture. He imported the American culture, wanted to restructure his father's business to fit the way Amazon is running. Forgetting that, oh boy, Nigeria and America are two different countries. That kind of person would have gone to his father and walked. One young man asked me the other day, what should I say? Work for your father for two years. That's what you need. Where are you going? You're going to school in Europe. I said, there's no need. You have a first degree. Work for your father. You will learn practical business. This DYDX we are learning in class is not going to help you. <laughs> the man I'm telling you about, he sacked the boy. After years of planning, the boy will take over after he comes out from Harvard. The boy tried to run the business for two years. The man said, lie, lie. Thank you very much. Don't kill this business. This is not how I built it. So that's what I mean. And I'm not kidding about when I say that I am as confused about my children's future as they are. As a practical thing so. Where is my rest? My rest is that God had a plan before he approved their conception. And every day I pray for them that, Lord, you will constrain them, they will serve you. I said, don't leave them. The way you, 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 you spoke concerning Jacob, say, I will not leave you until I have fulfilled that which I promised you. When I say don't leave me, if, you, if they sin, flog them. Redirect them. Cage them in. I will not have, Lord, you know, we, decide, we agreed on it before. I won't have children that won't serve you. I don't want. If one of my children come back tomorrow, of course, listen to me. It doesn't mean I don't have desires, so. but I don't have any strong one. The strong desire, like, I don't, I don't. I don't. But I have things that, because I've thought about what do I want? What do I want my children to be? I really don't. Maybe the word of God has really, really confused my brain. I can't. Except by revelation, I can't tell you this is exactly what I want. Why? Because every time I think of something, I know what if that's not what God has approved. He said, if you have plans for your children, I have blessed them. The Lord will sustain you with grain and with new wine. He will open doors for you. Men will help you. They will serve you. The destiny of God in your life will be established. Me and you will discover it as it is going on. You know, the truth is that what God has planned, many of the times we can't even receive it. We don't have the capacity. That's what I'm explaining. We don't have that capacity. I hope you're getting my point here. Listen, I'm using these worldly things that all of us know to explain spiritual things. Many times, we are making plans and they are not in line with God's plans. Bishop Bidipo said something once, there was a time he planned, you know, idleness is a bad thing. Sometimes when you don't have work to do, you'll be planning. A lot of people that are planning a lot, they have nothing to do. That's what allows them to be planning. One of our brothers one day, he sat me down and told me the plans they had. Came again, told me the plans they had. Next time I, he came, I said, if I hear plan from your mouth again. (laughs) 
I warned him seriously. I said, what I want to hear next time I see you is that you've gotten a job. And you are working somewhere. I said, this joblessness that's letting you have all kinds of ideas. And you think they are divinely inspired. I told him, next time I see you, you are working somewhere. I don't care how little they are paying you. You wake up in the morning. Get out of the house by 7 o'clock. Be in the office before 8. And sit down there and sweat and suffer till 5 o'clock. A young man is supposed to suffer. If they pay you too much, tear the money. Go back to suffering. <laughs> Mr. Wadipo said, sat down, he was planning and planning and planning. He wrote the whole plan, hung it on the wall. I wrote it on, I think, on the board. Everybody was looking at it. Pray, pray. So one day, Holy Spirit told him, get a, get a duster. He got it. He said, wipe that whole thing off. <laughs> Weeks of planning. He just went there, cleaned it, said, forget this thing. There's no need. As I open doors for you, step into those doors. As I open doors for you, step into the doors. Listen, my people, you cannot plan enough about your life to compare with what God has already proposed for you. You can't. Each day, sufficient unto each day is what? The evil thereof. What does that mean? There is an assignment to keep you busy each season. I've said to people many times, what will happen in the kingdom of tomorrow? I don't know. Occasionally, I will think I have ideas, but there are those ideas. Until those things start getting executed, they are not plans. What I need is what I have understood for each season. Let us be faithful in doing it. For each season, be faithful in doing it. I was excited that this year we released about three books. You know, beginning of this year, I was very, very happy. You know, um, habit of faith. Someone is controlling you and living by divine wisdom. Only one of them is actually a new book. The other two are just a compilation of things we have written over time. I was excited. I have other things I'm writing. Do them now. Just be doing that one. That is the job you have been given today. You have been given till date. What will happen tomorrow? You have no idea. There's a kind of anointing that God has reserved that says that, He says that you will step into it when you have proven yourself faithful in the one I've given you today. And you don't know what that one is yet. What I wanted to preach today, incidentally, I've not even gotten in there yet. I was just trying to introduce it, okay? But we're blessed anyway. I, I hope you are blessed. Yes. Where I was going is that, listen, when I say you can't think, you can't outthink God, is that he has, he has even planned the quality of mobile phone he will give you. You'll be amazed. He's that intricate in planning. Sometimes you want it, you say you don't need it now. Sometimes you're not planning for it. And he says, the time has passed. It is time to have this. I have personally experienced some of these things in my life again and again. There are things you didn't dream of. You, maybe if he says, you say, maybe in 10 years I'll do this. But the following year you have done it. Why? That was God's time. That was God's time. Look, listen. <laughs> I, was, I don't want to give you some... Just if I did, if, but if I do, they will look so mundane. But that's how I read spiritual things. They will appear so mundane. You know, I was, when we were traveling the other day, okay, I was just saying to the guys, I just talked about how God controlled power consumption in my house for me. 
I said, you know, I didn't think about that. One of our brothers here kept to, came to help me install something. He said, this will increase your power consumption. I said, don't worry, to make my life comfortable. Go ahead, install it. Because he, this was bringing my prepared meter at that point, at that point in time. I said, just go ahead, install it to make my life more, more comfortable. Do you know that thing dropped my power consumption? I won't bore you with details. Through an interesting way, I had to explain to you for them to catch it. I can tell you, I can't start giving you, you know, the gist. I have a lot of small, small gist that I told my wife, I said, the problem we have as people is to rest and let God take care. That is the problem we have as individuals. To be able to rest and let God take care. Let me end with the story of Mary Kay Ash, which I said I like to tell once in a while. When he says you can't outgive God. Mary Kay Ash, I'll make it very brief. Our pastor said, please help us tell our brethren to give money for the children's church we are building. The day finally came. In her spirit, as she was rushing to church, she heard, tell them you will double whatever they give that day. She thought they would give like 5000 Normally, good days, they give like $2,000, $5,000. She said, maybe if I speak well, they'll give up to $5,000. So she said she would double whatever they give that day. She did not know the plan that God had. She told the people, I don't take credit. You know my business. Whatever you are giving, you give now. Pastor said, please give them till tomorrow. Say, okay, tomorrow you can bring the money. The church called her Monday morning and said, please, that pledge you made, forget it. She said, I'm sorry. I made the pledge. I can't forget it. She said, no, no, we have agreed as a body of Christ in the name of Jesus. We release you from that bond. She said, I'm adding my own words. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> he said, thank you, but no thank you. Because she thought the money must be up to 10000 This one they are not talking. They finally talked. It was $100,000. For a woman who planned $5,000, $100,000. She said she went quiet. Then the chief, dick, the head deacon said, Ma, we said you are released. You don't have to pay the money. She still replied him, I made a pledge in the presence of the people. I have to fulfill it. She said she was going to bank, borrow the money. She would pay it gradually over time. People say, is it right to borrow to give? I said, did you buy your car, cash? No. Good. You borrow from Access Bank, Abby? The same thing. There's no difference. What if it matters to you? Do it whichever way you did the other one. <laughs> Let's leave this matter. The woman said she was going to borrow to pay it and, of course, pay off the loan bit by bit. But before she got up from that seat, the same phone rang again. And her son said, Mommy, why is it that everything you touch turns to gold? She said, what are you talking about? She said, that money you invested some time ago in my friend's oil prospecting business, it has broken through. We struck oil. They are producing now. And your share in the first one month is over $100,000. So the woman said, you can't outgive God. I'm not talking about the giving aspect. My own focus for today is what? You can't outthink God. Where I was going, which I've not been able to get to, is that for that reason, in this word, he has promised you all kinds of things. He knew that one day doctors will come and start condemning your old age to disease. So he spoke ahead of time. And said, when you are growing old, go and read Psalm 92. And tell the doctors that no matter how old you are, I have promised that you will be full of sap. You will be young. You will not grow old in health. 
So if they say osteoporosis is a disease of old age, except for the unredeemed, tell them like that. Let me end with this because that's what the Red Prince said. Beautiful. It will pick it up from there. The Red Prince said, every, prom- every provision of God is contained in his promises. That God has made provision for every aspect of our lives. Where did he keep them? He said, inside his promises. That's why we started from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is a promise. That is, I'm following God. He will supply everything I need. Listen, I've realized in this life, ah, how do I say this? Just rest and follow God. How you know you are resting and following God is that you are not looking up and down for where there is opportunity, looking up and down for where there is comfort. Listen, if Enugu wanted to have problems, you can claim this one the way you like, but this is my life. One day a classmate of mine said, you speak as if God is for only you. I said, my brother, he is big enough for everybody to collect his portion. I have collected my portion of him. Don't be there fighting me. This was in 1988. We were preparing for what we call second MBA exams in school. They say, you, the way you people talk, he says, talk as if God is only for, God is only for you. I said, oh boy, this God I'm saving is so big. When you take a huge chunk out of him, it will look like it's for only you. Except that when you go back there, he's still as big as he was before you took your huge chunk. So I've taken him for only me. Go and take him for only you. See that he's enough for all of us to take for only one of us, one by one. Do you get my point? I told him that day. I said, bros, I have taken my portion. Go and take your own. What's the statement I'm trying to make? So interpret the way you like. Whatever problems Enugu was supposed to have, the day Banky stepped into the city, the problem was suspended. Say, are you the only one in Enugu? That's your problem. <laughs> what I understand is that I stepped into this city and I said, God sent me here. For that reason, I know he has sent provisions ahead. Listen, when I first came to town, I needed a house for some time. I kept on looking for I told my wife, we can't ask God to give us a house as if we are the one thinking about it. There's one he has kept somewhere. Let's discover it. So every time we pray this to discover the one he has kept. The other day I thought about it. I said, we're in Elim Plaza. Now, that's how I reason. Those of you who know construction, I don't know how much it costs to build this thing. The day we parked in here, I said, no wonder they built it. I hope you caught that. Any other person in this premises is your problem. As far as I'm concerned, we are the reason why this building was built. Any other person thinking is his own. Me, I don't believe. Buy land quickly. One day. I said, eh? The land that's my own has been carved out today. It's in the Bible. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. That thing is literal. Like when they are carving the land, they've mapped the one that's my own. So I don't rush to buy anything. The land in the area is good though. Do I know where God wants me to stay? You will build a BRA when that time comes. I hope you caught that. GRA is what? Government Reserved Area. What is BRA? Banky Reserved Area. Ah, he's finally got getting it. Finally getting it. Finally getting it. They will build it. Don't, look, look, everybody has his job. I do my own. You do your own. And listen, God is so vast in resources. You say, ah, Pastor Bank, they build this whole place because of only you. I say, if you know God, 
he put how many billions of stars out there because of only the earth? Me, I don't put it past him. He said, you've been blessed to be a blessing. That is because I built it for, for you, other people will now join. <laughs> that we have been blessed to be what? A blessing. Listen, that last building we were in, there was a time bulldozers had arrived to pull the building down. And it was not a joke. The building next to us, where the, those of you remember, where that car was, she's next, there's a parking space. There was a building there too. The same height as our own. They brought it down. The governor that time, that's when they, they did all the roads in New Heaven. They said it's too close. You know we're very close to the road. They said it's too close. Pull it down. They did everything. Later on, when they spared our building, they spared it for two reasons. Number one, the owners of the building agreed to knock down the blocks on the ground floor and create parking spaces, no more ground floor. Then when they came to knock it down, they now realized that place that became eight hours, that it belongs to them, that is available. It's okay. Use that place for parking. That's how that building was saved. At the end of the day, one brother came to me. I said, Banky, I heard you wanted to pull down your building. He said, it's not possible. The building where Banky did, nothing happened. I was ashamed of myself. Do you know why? <laughs> I had panicked and we too had rushed to park out. And the brother said, don't worry. God kept you there so that from there you broadcast the world. You are not going anywhere. It's a spiritual sign. But when we left, the landlord, one of the sons, he said, you have been our best tenant. To me, that's spiritual. Uh, Israel, you were there that day now. Me and Israel went to greet them, to, give, to just thank them. Thank you for hosting us all this while. He said, Pastor, you have gone home. We thank God. We see it as growth. But know that you people were the best tenants we had. What am I going to say? God thinks about you. You, the wife you marry. He's preparing her now. No, just he's preparing, he's preparing her already. You'll be praying for her. And don't let worldliness prevent you from, you render the girl husbandless for a long time because he said if you don't build a house. You, you. <laughs> are you poor? You are not poor. You are more like me. If that's the case, she hasn't prepared. And don't keep her waiting. You don't need a big house and a big motor car. You probably met her once or twice. You are there doing like that. You are using the pocket to do academic planning. <laughs> when I finish my PhD, you know God will confuse you. You won't be able to dream of topic. <laughs> I hope you got what I said. It's well with you. Let us, let us pray. Father, we give you thanks. Let's thank the Lord. Let's give him praise. Let's say, Lord, we thank you. Let's say, Lord, we thank you. Because our provisions, you thought of them ahead. Every detail. The wristwatch we will wear. The slippers on our feet. The houses we will live in. The jet we will own if necessary. You thought about it. The children we will have. You thought about those things. You planned them. Help us to discover your will so we can walk in it. Help us to discover your will. We give you thanks.